The text for our sermon this morning is the gospel reading. Uh, The theme, though, is in all of our readings, uh, especially in Isaiah 35, our Old Testament reading. We'll hear that God is the one who is to come, who is coming one. And in the epistle, James mentions twice uh, that the Lord is coming and to be patient. Finally, the text for the sermon specifically is when John uh, asks Jesus, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please be seated. Of course, we remember the word Advent is Latin for coming, the coming one. And today, we're going to learn that the coming one is actually a title for the Messiah. That God is not a God who is far off. He is not a God who is asleep, but he is a God who comes to us. In Advent, that, that's the lesson of Advent, that God is he's not static, he's dynamic. He is always coming to us. We remember he came when he was born in Bethlehem. He comes to us now in the word and sacrament, and he will come again. The threefold coming of Advent. We could sort of reorient the question that John asks Jesus when he's in prison. The Greek actually allows for, and I believe today this is the lesson we are to grab from this, that when John asks Jesus if if he is the one to come, it is better to think of this question in this way. Are you the coming one, as a proper title, who is to come? Or should we wait for another? In the sense that the coming one is a title for the Messiah. God was known as the coming one in the sense that he's always coming to be with his people to save them. And he comes in different ways. He came born in the flesh. He comes in his word and sacrament and he will come again in judgment. So when John is asks if Jesus is the coming one, he isn't just asking a static question. Are you just the one to fulfill scriptures? John is asking in a much deeper way. He's asking about the identity of Jesus. Sure, he believes Jesus to be the Messiah. John's life was a testament and a witness to Jesus as the Messiah. But now John is asking this question to teach us and to bring himself comfort that only Jesus can give. Are you the coming one? Have you come now? Will you continue to come with your people? And will you finally come in judgment? So how does John know that the coming one is a title for God? Well, if you remember in the Old Testament, God was known as a God who's on the move. He came to Adam and Eve in the garden after the fall. He came to Abraham. He came to Jacob. God came to his people and traveled with them in the wilderness after they were freed from slavery. God is a traveling God who is with his people. He comes to them. Isaiah 35, our reading today from the Old Testament. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Twice 
in this short verse, he is known as the coming one. In Hosea 6, God is known as the one who is the coming one like rain. That just as rain comes to give life to plants, animals, and people, so our God comes with life. Zechariah 14, God is known as the coming one who comes with his saints. So God is not alone. So when John asks if Jesus is the coming one, he asks, are you the one who is always coming to his people? John isn't just speaking about when he was born. Remember, John and Jesus are adults in our reading today. John knew about Jesus' birth and the situation around it. John isn't just asking about Christmas. Are you the coming one? But is Jesus the one who came in the Old Testament? Is Jesus the one who will keep coming to his people even after he accomplishes salvation? Because John knows that a God who can only create the world and then be gone, a God who can only be bothered to show up when things are good, or even a God who is manipulable, who can be manipulated, that's not a very good God. A God who doesn't even have control over sorrow, a God who doesn't have control over tragedies. That is not a very good God. But Christ had been coming to John his whole life, and so John now, while he's in prison, he asks Jesus to come to him. But maybe not to release him, although I'm sure John would have loved that. But today we can look at this and John asking Jesus if he will come to him as he always has in the preaching of his word. Because remember when John was still in utero, when he was in Elizabeth's womb, pregnant Mary came to Elizabeth and John leaped inside Elizabeth's womb. John recognized that Jesus was coming to him because the text, John's, we we hear Luke says that, that John heard the greeting of Mary. John heard this and he rejoiced. Then also John, when he was at the Jordan baptizing, Jesus came to John to be baptized and labeled as the Messiah. And remember, John first balked at the idea, but then Jesus preached to John and said, this is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. And John rejoiced. John knows Jesus as the coming one, the one who is continually with his people by his word. And that we receive him and embrace him by faith. So now, John is not in his mother's womb, but just like he couldn't see Jesus with his eyes when he was in Elizabeth's womb, John now is in a different womb where his faith is being nurtured and grown. John is in prison. Again, he can't see Jesus with his eyes, but he knows that Jesus will and does come. 
So Jesus, so John sends messengers to Jesus. Are you the one that we know as the coming one? Or shall we wait for another? We can learn a lesson here from John practically. John knows who to ask for help. John doesn't send a petition to Herod, to the government. He doesn't ask for his release. He goes to Jesus. So too, if you are in a dark place, when you don't feel like rejoicing, when you find it hard to see Jesus, follow John's example. John knows who to ask, and so do you. Because remember, remember why John is in prison. And remember that we too might have times when we don't feel like rejoicing. And it's not because we've done anything wrong. Even though we, we deserve We deserve prison because of our sin. We deserve to not have God's ear. We deserve to be left in solitary confinement with our sin. But that's not where God leaves us. That's not where he left John. Because remember, John didn't do anything bad to be put in prison, but John was put in prison precisely because he was faithful. Remember, he preached to Herod. He called him out for not giving marriage honor and respect. John preached that Herod was breaking the sixth commandment. And what did that get John? We should not expect any different treatment. Even in your own families, you should remember our goal as Christians and our job as the church to stand as ones who are not afraid to proclaim the truth. Because you see, what was John trying to do in preaching to Herod? He was trying to save Herod. But Herod would not produce fruits of repentance, and that's a warning for us. Jesus was coming to Herod, but Herod, nor Herodias, his adulterous wife, wanted anything to do with repentance. Jesus was coming through John's preaching, but Herod would rather keep his sin. So you see how God was the coming one to Herod to call him to repent, so too the church must be a voice calling the whole world to turn from their sins, to bear, <coughs> to bear fruits of repentance. And it might just get us put in jail. The temptation for us is to think that when these things happen, that the coming one is not in control. Or that Christianity is not worth our time, nor experiencing some discomfort in this life. Because people look to Christianity and they think that it's all about an easy road. It's all about a life that doesn't have any bumps, but that's far from the truth. That's not the case for anyone, believer, unbeliever alike. Christianity is that knowing no matter how hard or difficult it is to be faithful, God is always coming to you. He is always coming to you by His Holy Spirit to help you in faithfulness. 
No matter how hard or difficult that faithfulness might be, God's promise to be with you is anchored in the fact that his son Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead. And if he would do that for you, you can be sure everything will be okay. But not only that, that through our suffering, our God is not a God who's not, who is afraid to use suffering to purify our faith. Because that is precisely what he does for our suffering. All things work together for the good of those who believe. Our suffering is short-lived. Us having to be reminded of the temporary nature of our suffering is not going to last forever. Advent is not a forever season. And that's why we have this third candle as pink today. To remind us that in the resurrection, Advent will only be a memory. It'll be a testament that God is actually present with us for eternity. So in our text today, in addition to this, we hear the warning, don't be offended by Christ. Which means when suffering and embarrassment comes, Don't think it's because your God is no longer the God who comes. John was perhaps doubtful because he was in prison. We can understand that. But also imagine John's disciples who were sent to Jesus. They were probably pretty embarrassed at John because, well, he's a weird guy. He preaches. He talks about the coming one. And look, he's also in prison. Even John's friends probably were embarrassed and didn't want to be around him. We need to know that this world is not where we are to win every victory. In fact, this world is the place where we will experience all of our losses. And we too, if Christ doesn't return, will die. And John knows that he will most likely die in prison. But God's word teaches us not to hold on to this life nor this world with too tight a grip. Because many of us have experienced death. We've seen suffering. We should not expect to have each other in this life for eternity. We are also taught not to be offended when our expectations are not met. But where do we find our confidence? We find it in the promises of God. If that's where you anchor your happiness and your joy, in the promises of God, you will never be let down. Because Christ Jesus is the coming one who comes to us. But he doesn't come to us to make this world our place of victory. He doesn't come here to give us wealth or all the wonderful things that our eyes are tempted Because anybody can take those away. Our world is passing. Everything you see will be destroyed. And indeed, someday you might be imprisoned like John. Not because you've done anything wrong. But because the world hates us. But remember what Jesus warned. He said, the world only hates you because it hated him first. So sorrow in this life is sure to come. You don't need me to tell you that. You've experienced it. 
But also remember, God is the God who comes. Sorrow comes, but so does mercy and forgiveness. The love and forgiveness of Christ is all that you need. That can never be taken away, not even by death, because in the end, forgiveness and eternal life and the love of God is the only thing that will endure to eternity. His forgiveness and promise of eternal life, it's the only promise that comes to us now in real time and will also be with us in eternal life. That what Jesus did on the cross is our victory. Because when Jesus died on the cross, that means he can come to you no matter where or what has happened to you. He can come to you and free you. So when John asked Jesus, are you the coming one who is to come? Jesus is at the epitome of his coming because Christ comes exactly when we need him. Because now listen how Jesus answers the request. Consider how Jesus answers John. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. The trials and the sins of this world are being reversed by Jesus. Everything is being made good again. Jesus preached to John. Just like his identity was preached when Mary met Elizabeth and John leaped for joy. Jesus tells the messengers, tell John. Preach to John. Jesus doesn't say, well, here's a plan to break him out of prison. Jesus doesn't say, pay his bail. But Jesus, to free John, says, preach to him. Tell him of the mighty works of God. Because by that preaching, you are truly freed. Not just a temporary prison, but the prison of sin and death. And so we need to keep hearing of who Jesus is because that's how God comes to us. That's how the Holy Spirit works. So we are in good company with John when we would wonder this same thing. Are you the coming one? We ask that question when life doesn't go as we hoped, when we wonder, is Jesus truly God? Am I ready to endure all suffering for the sake of Jesus' name, perhaps even death? Kind of interesting today that Jesus says this, Blessed is the one who's not offended by me. We are called to rejoice even when we suffer, dear friends. While all the rest of the world would say, My God doesn't cause me to suffer. My God doesn't bring tragedy. We know our God can even use tragedy and death and suffering for our good. There is no other God who can say that, because no other God has even defeated death. The author to the Hebrews, finally, picks up on this title of Jesus as the coming one. In chapter 10, he writes, he tells the Christians, he says, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you do have need of endurance, 
so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and not delay. So today, on Rejoice Sunday, we tell John, Rejoice, John! Why? Because even while you were in prison, Jesus was the coming one coming to you. Jesus will do offensive things. He will let you suffer. And yet he still calls you to repent. He will let you be defeated. But most offensive in the eyes of the world, despite your sins, Christ still comes to you. Despite doubting that he even is the coming one, he still says, I forgive you. As if you have never sinned against him. You are freed from your doubts and fears. Sorrow carries for the night, but the day comes and the sun also rises. So rejoice, for your Savior comes to help you now through his word and sacrament. The same Holy Spirit that carried and comforted John in prison, the same Holy Spirit that brought faith to John in his mother's womb, still comes to you. So even in sorrows, we Christians, we rejoice. Because our confidence is that God is taking care of things. And joy cannot be taken from you. But we are to be content with God's promise of forgiveness and deliverance. And so may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.